Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I'd do. I've been married a long time ago. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, welcome to episode 19 of Broken Records, the podcast which aims to find the worst record ever made in the history of popular music. And boy, do we have a doozy for you today. My name is Stephen Hill. I'm joined by my co-host in shit, Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> Hello. Uh, very, very honoured to have been named uh, after this band. Oh, no, wait a minute. It's the other way around. And also, I'm not honoured in the slightest uh, because they're a pile <laughs> of fucking shite. So today, our show is talking about Theory of a Dead Man. Um, the album is called i don't even know what it's called it's called, it the, called it's called the truth is the truth is that's it i'd completely forgotten you have to bear with us because basically um what you're listening to um this this podcast where we find the worst album ever made it used to be a segment on the show Renfrew and i do called riot act yeah. uh, this is part of the riot act network this podcast you're listening to and um essentially at the end of every week's review show where we review the best in alternative music we would search for the worst album ever made and this what you're about to listen to it actually first was released on the 17th of july 2020 on episode 102 of right act so it's a little bit of a while ago since i actually paid any attention to this record at all or even thought about it um we quite, didn't pick it because we it's i was gonna say just, it's quite forgettable isn't it there's not an awful it's lot pretty forgettable there's a few things that are quite memorable about it in terms of how I just went, ugh, uh, as soon as I thought about it. But um, yeah, in the main, yeah, you're right. It's pretty forgettable and pointless yeah. than being a band. Um, uh, so, you know, that's not necessarily just because of what we think about this band, why they're being here. It's a lot of different factors going to the fact that, you know, put a band into the... Uh, into the running for the worst album ever on here on broken records could mm. be the critical appraisal of the record could be the fans could be the band themselves could be what happened afterwards some sort of thing happened which has given it this aura of being rubbish and definitely theory dead man they certainly do have an aura of being rubbish so <laughs> sit back relax and listen to renfrey and i explain to you the odd bizarre and frankly quite disappointing success of theory of a dead man uh right let's get this fucking done shall we broken records is how we're going to end the show i mean i've really been loving broken records right it's been good it's been really good like you know even though it's been it's either been funny or it's been uh unbelievable or it's actually been an interesting way to to relook at an album that people haven't sort of properly looked at in the way that maybe they should have done at the time when it came out mm -hmm. unfortunately the last few weeks it's just kind of been that sort of horrible and this week's album is theory of a dead man the truth is uh the fourth album from the canadian butt rockers uh which was released on the 12th of july 2012 kind of amazing Ooh, to me i've got they... 2011 
Oh, have you? I thought it was 2012. Let me double check that. Oh, it's 2011. Um, my mistake. Sorry about that. It's, okay. uh, it's amazing that they managed to get this far into such a deeply mediocre career, essentially, theory of a dead man. Um, before we go any further, last week we crowned Double Wide by Uncle Cracker the worst album so far in our list i can't i would said then i can't imagine this getting knocked off the top spot for a very very long time theory of a dead man well we'll get into it but anyway theory of a dead man were the first band to sign to nickelback frontman chad kroger's 604 records imprint a decade before this album came out in 2001 um much like we spoke about uncle cracker last week really this is another case of a band owing their entire career because they're mates with someone far more successful than they are um there was a hell of a lot of nepotism around that time and a hell of a lot of bands getting record deals just because the person who owned was (laughs) some big rock star was given their own label and was free to go and sign sort of 15 copies of something that they were already doing and says a lot about man were that it says a lot about Chad Kroger, doesn't it? I mean, um, Mike Patton, just to choose someone who's the polar opposite <laughs> of Chad Kroger. Um, he has his own label, Ipecac Records. And if you look at their, if you look at Ipecac's um, discography, there's, there's stuff on Ip- uh, Ipecac that I absolutely adore. There's stuff on it that I, I think is awful, if I'm totally honest, mm. but it's always interesting and it's always... Yeah. I was about to say miles and miles away from the Mike Patton sound. I mean, what the fuck is the Mike Patton sound? But it's always, you know, it's not a load of carbon copies of bands, is it? Um, Mm. I haven't listened to everything on Chad Kroger's imprint. What did you say it was called? 604? 604? 604 records. But, uh, I I mean, this is hardly a hot take, but fuck me, Theory of a Deadman sound like... uh, uh, dead man god not dead man i've my whole fucking well my whole life since this band have been a fucking thing people i mean the, the having deadman as a surname anyway is a fucking shitter because people come up to you and they go hey hey you're a dead man and it's like jesus christ at least the make undertaker it, see yeah. even that is better you know but but the amount of people who have come up to me in my life and gone Hey, 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 you're a dead man. And then they usually immediately apologize because they realize what a fucking terrible joke it is. For a short while, especially when the debut Theory of a Dead Man album came out, there was a lot of, hey, Theory of a Dead Man bullshit. And I was just like, it's not even a joke there. There's not even a joke there. Do you want to know the best ever, the the single best ever use of somebody's surname um, ever in my life I've ever heard? My mate Gwil is fucking funny. And there's a guy that we used to go to school with called Daniel Scrace, right? Now, Daniel Scrace, I'm not even, I promise you I'm not making this. Daniel Scrace, right, uh, was a couple of years below us at school. About three years after he left school, he'd shot up to be like six foot four, right? So everyone called him Big D, Big Daniel, right? Now, (laughs) we went out, we went and played football and um, we were playing football and it was pissing, it started pissing down with rain. And someone tackled Daniel Scrace and he fell on the floor and he landed in this big puddle and he got up. And my mate Gwil walked over to him and he went, Oi, you got mud on your face, big disgrace. <laughs> I mean, 
the best ever. Um, yeah, it's, it's the best. It's off a, the top of your head. It's good. <laughs> off the top of your head, it's good. It's a it's a fallow. Uh, it's not a very good uh, source of jokes. I think we'll both agree. <laughs> wow, fair enough. Uh, I thought it was very clever. It's it's um, one of the best I've heard. I will I will I will admit that. But if that's the high water mark, <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? I was saying that um, theory of a dead man sound like Nick, Nickelback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, through and through. Uh, if you if uh, if you ask me to a b theory of a dead man and nickelback songs and you know say which one was which i would struggle i think would you mm. i'd assume that the if you took if you took of a dead man, <laughs> if you took their album tracks obviously not how you remind me of rockstar yeah. all that shit but yeah i mean yeah. if you took their album tracks i would really struggle really I, struggle. I, yeah i i think i would as well um so over the decade or so between them arriving in this particular album, they didn't really do very much here in the UK, Theory of a Dead Man, I think it's fair no. to say. Um, same as Daughtry and Hinder and any of these other bands that, you know, in the US and in Canada and in Northern America, those bands that are fucking massive. It's the Hootie and the Blowfish thing mm-hmm. again, right? They didn't do fucking anything here. Um, although by 2011 because the music industry was changing and the way that people consume and take music on was changing to the point where the usual strongholds for genres were starting to branch out. So for example, power metal could suddenly sell in the UK. Dragon Force were massive. Tourist were massive as we've just been discussing Tourist Terrible Euro dance could now fill arenas in the United States of America, which never, ever happened before. But suddenly all these kids in America were listening to sort of crappy Euro dance house music. And I think maybe most gallingly of all, arsehole Stetson-wearing wankers who grew up listening to fucking Kiss and Leonard Skinner and Van Halen but all formed bands when Stone Temple Pilots were massive <laughs> could now get a bit of buzz outside of northern america and it was, second, second week for stetson wearing wankers isn't it yeah second yeah it is yeah. yeah um so you know basically along comes another chance for the much ignored theory of a dead man to charge in on nickelback's coattails and uh have another pop at the lucrative download festival going div uk market um this is a year before refuse split up in fact and um i remember Refused played the second stage at Download. I'm pretty sure I said this before. In 2012, they played directly after Shinedown, kind of halfway down the, the right. second stage. And I watched, as I walked over to get a good position for Refuse, I watched a kind of mass exodus of people from that stage after Shinedown finished. And I was so... I've never been more compelled to just call a massive group of strangers cunts in my life. <laughs> just, and I stand by it as well. But... I felt then that there was a sort of something was happening, which I was not familiar with and I didn't like. And I was like, I don't want those bands because when, when Creed happened and they got big in the UK, I was like, really, are we going to let this shit come over? And then when Nickelback got big, it's like, why are we, we laugh at these fucking bands. Mm. Like, why are we, it was always a real sense of pride that even though there was so much shite in Britpop, you know, and it was such a sort of like, oh God, so much of it. I was like, well, I guess at least it means Matchbox 20 aren't big over here. Mm. And then they mm. fucking went and got big anyway. Mm. So 
it's massively depressing, isn't it? That I, I think it's depressing for people like you and me, and I would imagine the majority of people who listen to this podcast. Um, I'm sure there's a few of you who like this band, which, you know. Um, but it is quite depressing that this is. I mean, this is this is popular music in in um, America and stuff like this. You you yeah. turn on the radio station in America, and this is the sort of shit that you hear um and it's um just just lowest common denominator sort of uh rock music really it's um i think to that if i were to say there's no artistry in it whatsoever that would probably be being ever so slightly facetious but the level of artistry in it really it, it, it it's a commercial formula more than it is an artistic kind of movement statement whatever you want to call it um and you know there's it's artistic in in the sense only that they're able to put a sequence of chords together which sound quite nice um tyler Connolly, who's the frontman is manages to string some sentences together that at least make vague grammatical sense although he does have a strange well we'll get into the lyrics later um i mean that it's the, the formula is there's easy hooks to sing along to there's easy things to sing along to and the chords sound nice and it's that done 12 times over or fucking what mm. is it 16 17 18 Six, times over on the deluxe eight, edition 18 in the deluxe edition so you've got people like caro dioguada who's an american songwriter record producer publisher a and r person um who primarily writes for sort of pop artists basically um she was a judge on american idol um which will tell you you know she's worked with people like jason derulo for example you've got howard benson who um if you ever talk to benji webb about howard benson howard benson produced it he produced loads and loads and loads of these bands if you talk to benji webb from skindred if you ever get the chance about howard benson he fucking hates howard benson howard benson um produced babylon the debut skindred album uh and howard mm-hmm. benson just tried to take anything that was not bland kind of uber commercial radio rock out of skindred completely tried to take it out and they fucking butted heads so 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 much benji fucking hates him mm-hmm. um brett james cornelius an american country music singer um who has been credited with 494 recordings on various artists, including the likes of Martina McBride, Kenny Chesney, Roddy Atkins, Jason Aldean. And um, he wrote Carrie Underwood's 2006 number one hit, Jesus Take the Wheel, which Mm. uh, (laughs) is rubbish, (laughs) basically. I should point out the 400, do you say 494 recordings? He comes from the sort of Nashville school of composition. So that, that... It, it works a little bit. It's more factory like with Nashville, but, yeah. but, but yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, that's the type of people who were working on this new theory of a dead man album. When it came out, it hit number eight on the U S billboard 200. It hit number two, uh, in the Canadian chart, the rest of the world ignored it mm. except pathetic old Britain. Like I said, used to be so proud that we never bought this guff. Now it ended the UK chart, not that impressive, but a still fairly depressing number 68. Uh, the critics didn't like it very much. Rolling Stone gave it a one-star review, although I can't seem to find 
anything anywhere to quote from that. Q gave it the same score, simply saying there are no highlights. Appalling. Uh, Consequence of Soundgate gave an F saying it was worse than a new metal reprise in that it doesn't give True Rages an outlet, but instead facilitates the same false machismo that tribal tats and fake bench press numbers suggest. This record is dull beyond words. The only people who could probably get off on the arrogance of the truth is will be the same ones too drunk to mosh at your local rock show killing the party for the rest of us all music gave it one star as well saying a vocalist tyler Connolly, he doesn't sound like a self-described low life he sounds like a pretty boy pandering to frat boys on a spring bake on a spring break this isn't ugly visceral music it's castrated rock with a rotten heart kerrang gave it three k's mm. because this was kerrang in 2011 and they yeah. got everything wrong yes. back then um and yes. you'd think though this is just these sort of bands just media scum isn't it this is just the scummy out of touch snobby media slagging off a band that the people love well maybe not actually it actually has a lower fan score on metacritic than it does from the critic score so it's got 3.5 from the industry and 3.0 from the fans um i actually found so it's got a lower score from users than it has from people who actually are paid to review it that genuinely comforts me i'm yeah that's, that's the only good news so far <laughs> that's yeah. the only good um, news so far i thought i'd try and find a couple of contrasting reviews from the site uh you know just to see the writing styles and opinions of people who you know uh, like it and didn't like it so i picked one the last 10 that it got um or the only 10 that it got and the one of the many zeros that it got just to see if we can tell anything about the type of person who might be pro or con theory of a dead man so this is the zero this comes from just another user from the 20th of september 2011 it says contemptible despicable misogynistic musical abortion awful and just plain old crap words can't describe eh? uh well you just did a pretty good job (laughs) um Words can't describe how awful this band and this album is. Seriously, this band is so much worse than Nickelback. This album is harmful, 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 harmful. Um, Okay. Uh, In fact, given this album, zero out of 10 is still being too generous to this band. If only we could give negative grades. Just another insult to the legacy of grunge and the music of Canada. Arcade Fire, Wolf Parade and Fucked Up will never redeem Canadian music if the country keeps releasing post-grunge crap like Theory of a Dead Man. Now... It does sound like it was written by you, to be fair. It does, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have used harmful four times, to be fair. And I also wouldn't have used fucking seven words to say how bad it was and then go, words can't explain. But in the main, main. I definitely agree with the sentiment. And that seems like someone who's got rather good taste in music as well. Um, Now, here's a review for 10 out of 10 from the 17th of July, 2012. This is from CWC Gamer. And they say, this album is amazing. It is very catchy rock music. It doesn't deserve bad reviews at all. It's got some of the best songs I've ever heard. The instruments are well played and Tyler is an outstanding vocalist. I mean, if these are the best songs that you've ever heard, I would suggest (laughs) that you haven't heard very many songs or any songs, maybe. Um, This is the thing though, isn't it? There you go. This is music that caters itself to an audience who are people who are not us. It caters itself to a pe- to an audience of people who say they like music, 
but they don't really like music, do they? They 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 like a nice tune. They like something to sing along to. They don't like having to think too much. Um, and it is really just something, a kind of soundtrack to drink beers to or to drive to or not at the same time kids um you know or something like that 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 is what this music that's- last time the people that did that woke up they were living in america so they live in a free country so you can't tell them take away their third amendment rights and stop them from drinking and driving their pickup trucks at the same time who the hell do you think you are this is an afghanistan <laughs> I mean, that would be funny if that wasn't what was going on in the world right yes. now. Whilst Fear <laughs> but... of a Dead Man plays in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Those uh, are the people you're talking about. Well, more or less. And, you know, there are, the, you know, some people will be like, well, you're just being snobby about it. And it's like, I- I'm also correct about it, though. <laughs> so, you know, if, if I, I am snobby. It, it, here's the thing, right? Here's a little, like, I mean, as we've been speaking today, I. I went on. I stuck up for Bush on Twitter today. Right mm. now, Bush are a band who were, you know, called Nirvana clones and sellouts and all these kind of things. There Gavin are, Rostel, there Gavin are certain used to there, sing. There are certain critics who would put Bush in with the theory of a dead man. Dead man's is what you're yeah. trying to say. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Gavin Rostell used to sing bits of fucking Kerosene by Big Black in the yeah. middle of their biggest song in front of the arenas full of people. Um, you may not like Bush and you may not think Bush's music is very good. And you might think they're a kind of basic grunge band and they got lucky. A lot of that is possibly true, but Bush at least <laughs> are somehow related to the idea of alternative music. Whereas I don't think this is at all. I don't think this has got anything to do with anything other than how quickly and how many records you can fucking sell. Exactly. That's all it is. This has got it's... nothing to do with grunge. This has got nothing to do with punk alternative music. I, this has barely got anything to do with rock music, I don't think. Uh, it, it, it's. I would say it's a pop album made using rock instruments. Um, mm. um, sometimes you can do that in a really brilliant way i would i would argue jagged little pill you could argue is a pop record made made with rock instruments um but this but jagged little pill feels like it's genuinely there's some actual emotion in it there's you know she's actually saying something the songs are really good there's a lot of dynamics on it i mean you know fucking hell comparing this to jagged little pill uh yes this this feels like what is the formula that we can use to make as much money as possible and that, and that's that's what all this music feels like absolutely like if theory of a dead man had been born in birmingham they would sound like the libertines yeah, <laughs> yeah. if nick and i'll tell you what if nickelback had been born in london the members of nickelback they would sound like nickelback would sound like oasis mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and fucking vice versa if liberty if the libertines had been born in texas they would sound like and i know you're probably going well yeah because that's you know, people would you'd be a completely different upbringing and blah. blah. Mm. What I'm trying to say is, is that those people are. I don't think Bush sound like Bush because Gavin Rossdale went. Oh, we there should be a British grunge band. Mm. I I think he just ma- was making music and that shit got big and he was like, hmm, we could probably tailor ourselves to that a little bit. But then 
the reason that it sounds so so close to being Nirvana or Soundgarden or whatever copyists is because Gavin Rossdale probably legitimately was listening to the same music that Kurt Cobain was listening to. Mm. <laughs> Whereas I don't, you know, hence why he sings big black songs at the end of their set. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Theory of a Dead Man would have have got nothing to do with anything regarding grunge at all. It's just been filtered down over the years to the point where, and, and even, does this even sound like grunge at any point at all? It sounds miserable and he's going, which is usually sort of considered grungy, but really, I mean, the bitch came back, which is the second song in it, sang to the tune of the dog came back the very next day. <laughs> um, but it's not a dog in this song, is it, Renfrey? It's just a stupid girl. Ha 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 ha. A mm. stupid bitch. Imagine him, her, being in love with him. Fucking idiot cow trying to sing along with his songs. What a bloody fool. She's better when she's down on her knees. Ha, ah, she couldn't stay away. I, I cannot understand why this young woman keeps going back to this fucking tosser, to be honest. Like, if you're listening, young lady, you have definitely dodged a bullet by well, this person not wanting to be with you because you are definitely better than he is. Fuck this guy. <laughs> There's a story from Billboard which can fill this in a little bit, which is this is a very this is an interesting story to say the least, I would say. Um so Tyler Connolly, he's the vocalist of the band. He sounds a little surly on The Truth Is, the Canadian hard rocker's just released fourth studio album. It's wholly intentional. Connolly went through a divorce last year and he freely acknowledges that seeped into everything he wrote, whether in the tongue-in-cheek form of the title track Bitch Came Back and Gentleman or in the more heartfelt pains to easy of Easy to Love You and Hurricane. A lot of it stems from the relationship ending, Connolly, who has moved to Los Angeles, tells Billboard.com. Ending not to my liking, me having to deal with the consequences, continuing life in a strange city all alone. It's all true, which is a good thing. <laughs> It would be funky if people were like, why does the album sound like this? And I'd be going, I don't know. Um, Connolly adds that he found it easy to dig into his personal experiences for the 12 song set, which he considers to be a personal evolution as a songwriter. It used to be hard, so I think I'm becoming more secure, Connolly explains. In the beginning, the late 90s and early 2000s, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know what the songs were, what half the songs were about. But this time, having producer Howard Benson too, he'd go over every single word with me and go, what does this mean? I'm not clear what you're trying to say here. And that made everything stronger. Howard's point was when a 14-year-old girl listens to a song on the radio, she doesn't focus on what the bass is doing or the guitar noodling. She's just really listening to what I'm saying. So everything had to make sense. This feels like an appropriate time to quote from the lyrics, something I like to do. So a 14-year-old girl is listening to I like her so much better when she's down on her knees because when she's in my face, that's when I'm starting to see that all my friends are laughing, think that we be wrong. Well, she's so fucking stupid that she's singing along. The trouble with girls is they're all the same. Forget the diamonds and pearls. They just want a ring. Before you know it, you're like a dog on a leash. Well, you can try and change the world, but you won't change me. That's from The Bitch Came Back. Um, it's just kind of... What a bitter, <sighs> nasty, small-minded fucking misogynist. No, I mean, I was going to say misogynistic. I, I, I mean, I think it's even worse than that because it doesn't just... I, I mean, he obviously does hate that particular woman. I think we said, again, with Glassjaw, you know, mm -hmm, you sometimes mm -hmm. have to go, he's in a bad place. He's in a very bad place at the moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that slide. But I'll tell you what, 
as much as I would be kind of willing to let that slide, I just think that just sounds like you hate people. Do you know what I mean? You hate the humanity. You hate the idea of anyone, the kind of the idea of there being good in anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there are, I, I'm glad you brought up Glassjaw, but um, uh, because I think it would, we would be, some people would accuse us of being um, hypocritical if we didn't bring up Glassjaw, but there are many, 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 many differences. For starters with Glassjaw, I went on and on and on about how Daryl was very, 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 very young when he wrote those lyrics. Um, I haven't actually worked out how old Tyler was, but he was definitely over 18, 19 um okay he's 44 now nine years ago he would have been so he was 35 oh he was okay so he was my age when he wrote those lyrics he was 35 years old when he well when when the song bitch came back came out and he was i like her so much better when she's down on her knees you know um there she goes again, just always breaking my balls. No matter what I do, somehow it's always my fault. She says I must be cheating because I turned off my phone, but that's the only freaking way she'll leave me alone. I mean, like, you're 35 years old. Fucking hell. Um, you know, for starters. And then it's just so... I, I feel with... I feel that this is done in... They're, they're kind of... Um, defense for this is like oh it's only tongue-in-cheek and these are the kind of conversations that people have all the time we've all heard the kind of rhetoric of like um i don't know men getting together and having a few beers and then being like oh women they're all the same they're all emotional wrecks and locker, room talk, locker, room, talk, locker room talk locker room talk locker room likes to call it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah quite um and you know to, in the in with regards to balance women do it to an extent as well in a very very different way but you know there are women who will go say phrases like his brains in his dick and stuff like that or or i don't know that kind of thing but i i just think putting that sort of putting that sort of thing into a song like the fact that he said that we sat down with Michael Benson and went over every word. What are you trying to say here? What are you trying to say when you say I like her so much better when she's down on her knees? It's like there's I nothing. I think we know. Yeah, I, I, the, I, like I, there's nothing profound about this. There's nothing. And he's sort of trying to make out that it's profound. And it's really we're talking about someone who's even admitted to the fact that they can't be bothered to put together a song and have it actually be about something for the first three records of their career he's just singing stuff because it's not about the words is it it's about it's about just melodies and singing along blindly drunk and just doing oh it, i fucking hate this shit <laughs> i'm i'm struggling yeah. i'm it's just fucking it's worthless it's worthless that's what it is yeah it's utterly worthless and devoid of any artistic merit bar stringing a few chords together which sound nice mm. I mean, there's a bit at the end of one of the songs where he goes, ha, 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 that was good, mate. No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. at all. It was fucking rubbish. There's also the song, What Was I Thinking? Where Tyler wakes up in his hotel room with a hangover and asks, what was I thinking? What was he thinking, Renfrey? He's got girls outside his window and girls outside his door. What was he thinking? He's got a house in every city. He's got a life that is too easy. But all he wants is the girl, probably the girl who he called a bitch four songs ago, mm. um, who used to keep coming back, but eventually went, all right, well, you're a tosser. I am really going this time. Um, and musically, it's... So again, you know, it's this 
bravado it's kind of bravado filled but also meant to be like oh poor me self-loathing it's pathetic mm. uh, and musically to bring it up again it's country pop <clears throat> i mean is there a worse type of sound in the world i think fucking kittens being tortured sounds better than like <laughs> country pop music it is fucking horrible I mean, uh, as I mean, as you're making that comparison, I will take these songs over Uncle Cracker. But but yes, broadly, yes, I agree with you. It sounds fucking shite. Um, yeah. Just to just to finish off the um, uh, point about his ex-wife, uh, her name's Christine Connolly, and she has um, three writing credits on this album uh, for the songs Low Life, The Truth Is I Lied About Everything, and What Was I Thinking? Um and this album predominantly is about his breakup with her. So I don't know if that's like a, a, a kind of nasty like um, jab at her or if they're genuinely songwriting credits or I don't know. She also has a um, writing credit on a song called Does It Really Matter, which is on the special edition bonus version, which I'm assuming neither of us listened to because 46 minutes of this was more than enough yeah. um, to ascertain that it's total fucking bullshit. Um, no, I did listen to the special edition. Did actually. you? I just, I just binned off. I just binned off the acoustic track. So oh, okay, yeah, fucking. Um, hell. Mm. I, I t- it's it, there's just something. I mean, with Daryl and Glassjaw, it's a moment in time captured. It's it's an ugly moment in time captured, um, but it's it feels authentically real and it's at least interesting. It's holding up a mirror to something which is a really ugly part of your life, but it's also something that he showed repentance for, you know, and it's something that um, we've talked a lot about doing stuff when you're very, very young, which you look back at five, ten years later. And I mean, there is some fucking embarrassing shit I did around the age Daryl wrote those lyrics. I think when you're a 35 year old man, there's no fucking excuse to, mm, to write shit true. like this. There's no yeah. fucking excuse. Yeah. If you didn't um, listen to the full version, you probably didn't listen to We Were... Oh no, We Were Men is the last... No, uh, yeah, We the, Were Men was the last... Yeah, yeah kind going of... Going on about war bloody love bloody love war yeah yeah Plodder, war, like absolutely mm. um there's a one on uh on the special edition actually which you probably didn't hear called um called villain right um which has got a bit of a sort of pop punk pace to it and they probably thought they sound like pennywise but they actually sound like busted um <laughs> and there's a line in it called everybody wants to be like me i don't mate no i would rather be a syrian refugee than have to play that song on stage every night Mm. i do not want to be anything like you whatsoever i would rather be an insect that lived for 90 minutes and then got squashed by or sprayed with fly spray than i would be (laughs) you your fucking life looks awful having to play and sing these terrible songs night after night no thank you no people, thank you i do not want to be like you people use that argument sometimes though don't they they go well but but he's successful you know they're an arena selling band he's, mm. he plays plays music to um tens of thousands of people every night when they're on tour you know they're like well surely surely you'd want to be like him if 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 a genie came out of a lamp and said you can either be in a theory of a deadman style band and you'll be mega famous and you'll have women coming out of the wazoo not euphemistic although also euphemistic um you know (laughs) um, or you can be in a band that you know 
struggles financially um often plays to just sort of 10 people a night some occasionally you'll have the a great show at the black heart where you sell it out or whatever but you have some fucking something to say and something that you're expressing and something that you're passionate about which would you rather have there are some there are some people who wouldn't believe me when i say i would much rather have the latter and this is music for those people who can't compute that there is more to life than fame and success and money and cowboy boots and cowboy boots yeah i mean there's basically three types of songs on there there's rootin tootin countryfied pop sing-alongs there's <laughs> earnest ploddy hard rock over emoting quote-unquote real music and then there's this sort of upbeat but bland post-grunge number that doesn't appear to be about anything at all 16 tracks i got into it and you get the two acoustic versions that I just binned off. I mean, the the normal version, um, uh, or the, the kind of the the, the last song um, on the the bonus edition ends with a song called "Better or Worse." Hmm. So let's decide this album better or worse. Well, I think it depends what you're comparing it to, really, doesn't <laughs> it? Ninety nine percent of other albums ever made worse. Um, Jack and Jill by Adam Sandler that's worse as well <laughs> having your wisdom teeth removed yep it's worse than that having to watch a beloved childhood pet be put down yep worse uh, a fire at a children's hospital yes still worse than that the nuclear destruction and obliteration of all of modern society yet yeah, still worse but Uncle Cracker better uh, <laughs> yeah fair um Okay. Oh God. Um, right. Uh, just, just, just for a little bit of kind of aftermath of, I think we've kind of talked about the album. We people know what we think about it. Um, Theory of a Dead Man went on to open for, I think it was either Alter Bridge or Blackstone Cherry, one of those lot. Uh, Wembley Arena, the opening band, the bottom of a four-band bill in 2014, um, and that's when their next album, Savages, came out. Um, I remember them getting announced for it and and laughing a lot uh, because. I, I'd never heard the name Theory of a Dead Man come up for sort of like 15 years. So it obviously shows how much I was paying attention. Um, it only came up because I was on Team Rock, uh, Team Rock Radio. And I sort of had to plug guff like that. And I remember being like, make sure you get down early to see Theory of a Dead Man. Lol. I kept doing that on the radio. And there were people, I actually did genuinely have a few people tweet bullshit about how great they were. And were really fucking angry at me because I was kind of every day openly mocking them on air. I think we had to keep playing one of their songs. And I was just like, nobody cares about this band in this country. Nobody cares. No one cared 15 years ago. No one cares now. Just go home. Just don't bother coming around here with your fucking, you know, your Stetsons and your cowboy boots and your stupid Yarly noises. Fuck off. Um, so yeah, Team Rock listeners were twats. Not all of you. If you listen to this, used to listen to me on the radio i don't mean you but the rest of them the worst um so anyway uh, yeah better than uncle cracker renfrey where the fuck do we put this um <clears throat> i uh, okay i'm a bit embarrassed to say what i'm about to say okay whilst i do think this is lowest common denominator bullshit in the main so is a lot of this stuff on this list. So is a lot of the stuff on this list. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I will, I will also confess that when he's not being a misogynistic prick and and um, 
they occasionally are capable of writing within this style of music what a song which i think is at least passable or even maybe quite good in a sort of five finger death punch wrote some quite good songs on fate f8 whatever um a song like drag me to hell i think is is passable uh you know it's hardly a recommendation but i do think it's passable hurricane i think is is okay uh i'm not going to be going back to it anytime soon but i think it's all right uh i mean that might well be it so we are talking about two songs out of the 12 that i listen to as i only listen to the standard record but automatically because of the absolute level of shit that we have in there it actually places it um Mm. certainly far away well quite further away from uncle cracker than people might assume from the way that we've been going on about it so i just wanted to throw that in there because i think yeah in terms of what they are trying to do is write commercial music for idiots to sing along to right and actually sometimes they manage to do that quite well so Mm. in that sense it's not a total failure yes i mean i'm gonna say this right there's one band here that stick out for me uh that remind me of theory of a dead man mm-hmm. and that band are viva brother because mm. that thing i said about you fucking chances you absolute bandwagon hopping wankers viva brother and their we're bringing back Britpop. Mm. you know we used mm. to be a, an emo band and then mm. we heard blur and we decided to do that uh, this is that isn't it essentially this is the same thing so it comes down to who is better at writing songs in a very object, you know, objective way. Who is better at writing songs out of Viva Brother and Theory of a Dead Man? You've also got Louis the Fourteenth there, and Louis the Fourteenth are mainly there because of their pretty gross lyrical content. And although there's a lot of gross lyrical content on this, it's not quite as gross as Louis the Fourteenth. It's gross in a different a bit way. Rapey, aren't they? Well, yeah. Louis Louis Fourteenth Louis the Fourteenth had that song about kind of sneaking into someone's room, didn't they? And mm. like watching them sleep or something. Oh God! Yeah, you so know, it's not quite that bad. Yeah, this is just. I mean, unfortunately, oh, it saddens me to say this. Unfortunately, this record is saying what a lot of people. You still hear this rhetoric all the time of like, oh, silly men thinking with their dicks or silly God, silly women and their emotions getting the better of them, blah, blah, blah. That sort of rhetoric is out there loads, like loads mm. and loads and loads. So I don't think it's as abhorrent as the Louis the Fourteenth um, stuff in that sense. Yeah. I'm certainly not a supporter of it, but, you know, there are people, there's several people who do think along those lines. Um, mm. Oh, it's Viva, so I think it, it's it's above Louis Fourteenth. It's mm. either it's either Louis Fourteenth, uh, Theory of a Dead Man, Viva Brother, or Louis the Fourteenth, Viva Brother, Theory of a Dead Man, and then Dirty Vegas. My vote, I think my vote goes for Louis the Fourteenth, Theory of a Dead Man, Viva Brother. I think. Yeah, me too. Um, just I don't quite know why. I think it's no. because Viva Viva Brother are just just dickheads, aren't they? Like they're stupid. It's like, mate, give it. Like you weren't even a thing. You kind of have to feel a bit almost. They're kind of pathetic, aren't they, Viva Brother? They're kind of like harmless because there was no second wave of Britpop, mm. and it didn't happen. It was a disaster. Whereas these lot, they're playing arenas in America, and they're yeah. you know they got to number eight, they got number two in Canada. They've had a long-lasting career. People do actually like them, and that is 
quite infuriating. There's nothing really infuriating with Viva Brother. It's kind of funny that they went, we're going to be the next big band and then split up six months later because no one gave a shit. So I would say yes. I've also, I've also just noticed, I, I was curious to see what venues they do in uh, in London. Uh, uh, and yes, um, they do do arenas in, in uh, sort of Canada and, and, and um, North America. Uh, last time they were here, November 23rd, 2019, they did the Electric Ballroom. I've noticed that they went into one of their songs, Santa Monica, covering Nutshell, which upsets me greatly. They covered oh, Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. And they also... Like everyone. Like everyone. And uh, they also introed their song Bad Girlfriend, which is fucking atrocious, uh, with Paradise City. So that makes me really despise them even more. Um, but uh, yes, um, I agree with everything. I think I think fitting them in between... Uh, oh, you've literally just said it. Um, Fever Brother and Louis Fever the and Louis Fourteenth, I think, is probably the best place for them. I would have thought. Mm. Yeah, this has been a very. I've put them in there. Uh, this has been a very, very hard couple of weeks mm. on um, <laughs> on this segment, and I am praying to God as I put my hand in it now. I mean, I don't expect to get an album that I'm like, this is great. But can we at least get one that's interesting? Because the last couple of weeks yeah. has been just fucking... I mean, listening to this after listening to Uncle Cracker, um, I know nothing about this record at all. So that's an improvement at least. Okay. D.D. King, standing in the spotlight. Oh, I think that is D.D. Um, Ramon. I think that's D.D. Ramon. Is yes dd ramon dd <laughs> ramon it's so from, excited i didn't realize he's called dd dd ramon from uh the from the ramones his his hip-hop album oh good god wow oh okay so, oh, well, at least that'll be interesting the, uh, you know the, the universe has delivered renfrey oh, um, for that yeah uh I, I saw that and i was like oh, dd ah yeah of course um okay so next week dd ramon's solo album all right, there you go. It does get better in episode 20. Mm. It gets a lot, it's about to get a lot better. It's been, if you've been listening to this from episode one to, you know, episode 19, where we are now, you know, the last couple of weeks have been a bit grotty. Yes. But it's about to get better. Like a sunbeam coming through the clouds. DD King's uh, about to come into our lives and make everything just a little bit better. Um, it, 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 I, if you fail to crack a smile in the next episode, I'd be very surprised. Uh, you'd be a very dour mm. person indeed. Yeah, you might be funky. You might be the bloke from Theatre of Dead Man, who are not great. But there you go. Enough about them. What a waste of time. Thanks very much for listening to the show. We're back. And you can listen to us already on episode 20, which is available for you right now. Standing in the Spotlight by D.D. King. That's what we're going to be doing next very very good i thoroughly recommend it and uh, you can listen to us on right act every friday talking about new music in the alternative world and go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to contribute to the podcast in any way you can listen to us talking about some of our very very favorite albums but for now we shall see you another time bye bye <laughs>